0: Guess what? What? You're an author.
1: Oh, my God, you're right. You wrote a book. I did write a book. And it's called Stop Blaming Mothers and Ignoring Fathers, How to Transform the Way We Keep Children Safe from Domestic Violence. Right. And it's available on Amazon, Amazon, Kindle. It's soft cover. It's hardcover. Yeah. And it's a book that lays out six myths that really dive into these gaps in the field that the safety of the models is meant to fix or transform mm-hmm. talks about gender double standards it has interviews with practitioners and, and interviews survivors. survivors and practical things you can do but it really kind of is it's good for anybody who knows the model or is new to the model and uh, i'm really excited about All it right. it only took two and a half years to do okay All well right.
0: go get the book on amazon.com Amazon.
1: And we're back.
0: Way sooner than you ever expected. Yes. and Just we're, when you think you know us. we cha Ninja.
1: <laughs> we do something completely different, yeah. which they're saying I can't do, at least. I'm not
0: sure that cha-cha and ninja actually go together. That's right. I put them together. That's right. This is a,
1: our first Minnesota, minisode. mini so series mini-sode
0: mini so. So. mini,
1: so. mini so. okay which thank means you.
0: that we have to do this in about 15 minutes that's right make your bets now people
1: that's right i was challenged by my team that i couldn't <laughs> do a podcast in
0: can in, in david 15, and ruth use less words less
1: words so here we are so we are still partnered with a survivor and i'm david mandel executive director of the oh, you here.
0: don't have to speak faster. okay sorry. <laughs> I not <laughs> That's not how this works. Okay. And I'm Ruth Stearns-Mandel, and I am the e-learning, strategic relationships, and communications manager.
1: And we are joining you from Tung-Sus Land here in, in Connecticut. Connecticut. So, so this is a series, uh, which I'm very excited about, about worker safety and well-being in the context of domestic violence practice, which is been a big issue that's come up and this is the kickoff episode and we're going to do about five or six episodes altogether. together at least that's our right, plan now right and um really um as a systems change organization um the well-being and and safety of workers is critical for us on so many levels yeah and and so this is a series that, but it's
0: yeah yeah keep going sorry.
1: Well you know it's okay it's 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 a really series of brief discussions about different themes and we'll go through those themes before we're done, but but the goal is is to really address this area that has so many implications for organizations and individual practitioners around retention attrition, around efficacy efficacy right mental health and and well being of staff safety uh, safety I mean it really touched on so many different things so so this the audience for this um mini sewed
0: thank you series
1: is frontline staff but also human resources yeah uh, managers supervisors and, and managers. supervisors leaders and agencies Policymakers. that's right because yeah. we, we we want you to to listen to this and think about where is your agency on this uh, continuum of things. right? And it, it's, it, 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 to us, it's part of this domestic violence-informed systems change that we're trying to cultivate. Well,
0: if in order for us to create practice change and for workers to hold perpetrators accountable, they have to be prepared for the predictable behaviors of those perpetrators and supervisors, managers, policymakers, HR people, have to create policies which support their workers and recognize when a perpetrator is trying to manipulate the system, bully, harass, stalk into getting what they want and silencing victims. That's very, very important.
1: Right. And and so we really want to name the ways one of the topics will be for one of the, the Minnesota episodes is is um, how perpetrators, how and what to do, what perpetrators actually target you as a professional.
0: And in these mini we're going to be giving behavioral information, patterns of common behaviors of perpetrators and how they um, harass and threaten workers into silence, and how systems fail to create that safety, that those policies which are supportive of those workers in that situation.
1: So the Worker safety has been at the center, been a main part of the safety of the mile since its inception. You know, when I started first doing consultations in child protection, um, I w- became quickly aware that uh, workers couldn't describe perpetrators' patterns of behavior. So I was kind of poking around to find ways to get them to do that because it felt so critical in terms of understanding risk and mm-hmm. harm, mm-hmm. telling the story of how the perpetrator harmed the children, expecting behavior change, all these different things that were related to the work with the family. Good, as you said, ethical efficacious work with the family. And one of the things I tried to hook workers in through was, do you know if this person... Has any history of being assaultive, threatening, intimidating to people outside the family, including professionals, law enforcement, and almost to a person they didn't know.
0: Right. Very dangerous people. You must, you must find that information.
1: And, and so what I took away from that was that the organization and the institution Mm -hmm. wasn't supporting their workers Mm -hmm. to practice in a way that was that was consistent with the health and safety and well-being of those workers themselves?
0: I would say that organizations not assessing that and not having a plan um, is poor safety planning behavior, um, is not proper risk assessment behavior, is not understanding the threats and analyzing how those threats impact efficacy of work. So this is really a foundational piece of institutional safety planning that needs to start happening.
1: Right, and and if you really think about this, and, and we have a white paper on worker safety, we and, do, and we do, which will we connect we'll to this, this, which is that if if you think about law enforcement's take on this issue, is they know that domestic violence calls can be one of their most dangerous calls, right, and and these are professionals who show up often armed with a with a with a weapon with mace are wearing bulletproof vests or mm-hmm. have you know whatever else you know training and implements you know and and so
0: but i would like to point out that the most common form of um, manipulation of systems is not a direct physical threat to workers that's actually very rare it's much more rare than it is a professional threat to workers. So please keep f- those two distinct in w- your mind. We're going
1: to talk about the range of these things. And if
0: you do not want to lose your professionals, right. you have to come up with a very right. specific plan taking into account how perpetrators behave towards professionals to be supportive and to investigate those actions.
1: Right. So we're going to talk about the range of things from how do you manage physical safety threats and, and how do you identify them and talk about them and then emotional threats manipulation you know gaslighting all those different things that may be part of how a perpetrator approaches uh the system you know one of the things before we list the topics that we're going to talk about so you can know where we're going is that um i believe and it's been supported by the work we've been doing with um University of Melbourne and, and Kathy Humphreys and her team as well has really kind of jumped out even more to me during this period of time is that When we don't equip workers to manage their fears or concerns about engaging perpetrators, what they will continuously do is go back to the victim, use the mother, and hold them accountable.
0: Right, because it's easy. Because the the, the survivor, the victim, is actually not the person who's breaking the law and is not the person who's dangerous. And the system can coerce them via fear into actions which... They believe is protective, but ultimately is ignoring the person That's who right. is criminal.
1: That's right. And so, I see addressing worker safety and well-being in all its different manifestations as being critical to breaking the back of this idea of failure to protect as the way to approach domestic violence and kids.
0: So we're eight minutes in.
1: Um, oh, my God. We're, we're, we're almost done with this mini-sode.
0: I feel like we're super efficient. Yes. This is amazing. So
1: let me tell you a little bit about the topics that we're going to um, cover. And we've kind of alluded to them so far. Um, in no particular order, because I'm not committing us to the order that we're actually going to produce <laughs> these episodes in. Because the way we work is sometimes we look at a topic and go, yes, this today, we're ready. Um is one of the things we mentioned is when workers are targeted by the perpetrator of one of their clients.
0: Very important. Very
1: important. This is the one that you... This
0: is specifically important for professional organizations right. and for HR leaders and supervisors and managers. It is actually quite a gift that perpetrators' patterns of behaviors are fairly predictable, at least right now, within the context of how systems are working. And so it's it's a, a, a gift that we can create this framework of expected perpetrator behaviors within that professional context and name it and identify right. it so that way professionals can create a pathway and a plan for how to resist those manipulations
1: so we're we're not going to dive into it but if you've ever been targeted for complaints by a perpetrator
0: to a professional organization to a professional organization
1: or to your leadership or threats of those complaints that's the kind of thing that we're talking that's about here. Correct. That That's going to be part of it. Um, the the, uh, the next topic is the connection between worker safety and engaging perpetrators and mother-blaming practice. And, and and again, I kind of alluded to this already, but it's the idea of if you don't have staff that don't have the confidence <clears throat> and the skill and the, the mandate from their leadership and to the, engage perpetrators. And the scripts. That's right.
0: For when that perpetrator starts to threaten or right. gaslight that that's professional. Right. If you can't hold the reality of focusing on their behaviors and not be drawn into these side arguments or these accusations, you will not be able to focus right. on that perpetrator. That's
1: right. And, it, and this is a really, I think, a hidden problem to the degree that it will show up as people saying, I can't find him. Yeah. Or he wouldn't engage me. Right. Um, after no or minimal attempts to do that. So this is a, a, a hidden issue that's a big one. The next one is um when workers are being targeted by their own perpetrator through the workplace and at home
0: yes because even in domestic violence organizations and NGOs that deal with domestic violence if a person is experiencing violence and stalking and harassment by their own perpetrator often those entities will fire that survivor As a way to protect themselves against liability rather than create safety plans and address the safety and well-being of that person who is working for them. And this plays directly into a perpetrator's hands of financial abuse and increases their power and control.
1: And if you can imagine being a survivor who works at a child protection agency and how terrifying the threat might be, I'm going to call your agency and report, and you, for report child, you for child abuse. maltreatment. That's I, right.
0: Which is a very common behavior right. of perpetrators. Right.
1: Um, the next topic we'll cover is when workers' own experience of abuse are triggered by their work with families. And, and this is a little bit different. It overlaps, but but Trauma. many professionals yeah. come from families where, where a parent uh, has been abusive or there's been other forms of abuse, may have had it in relationships, and I can't tell you how many times people have been sent to trainings yeah. by by employers, and then partway through the training, or you know, they have a an epiphany that oh my god, we're talking about my life, my life, or we're talking about my best friend who was murdered. I had somebody right. come up to me, and and so we're hearing in more and more about the triggering, and so that's about that piece, and that's about emotional safety, mm-hmm. and then and then managing your own fears about the safety of the family. And I really want to acknowledge that workers. Are deeply passionate and committed to the safety of the families they work with and they're often not supported in walking around with their feelings about fears mm-hmm. and concerns in the way that really they need to be in many cases mm-hmm. so so this is these are the topics this is where we're going
0: oh my goodness and
1: i i, I don't know if we're going to finish these in in a week or two weeks we don't know yet right but stay tuned for this if you have other topics and ideas send them to us and
0: and you are David Mandel.
1: And I'm David Mandel, Executive Director of the Safe and Together
0: Institute. <laughs> and I'm <Sorry>. Mandel. <laughs> and if you would like to get more information on our trainings, including uh, worker safety, uh, please go to academy.safeandtogetherinstitute.com.
1: And follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the places.
0: And our website is safeandtogetherinstitute.com. And we
1: are, are out. out you.